Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from, and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. Pastor Cecil walked in, he said he's retired. I said, no, you're not. They just don't pay you to do the work anymore. So uh, the Lord bless you, brother, and all the work that you do. And uh, we're so delighted you're in worship with us again. Pastor Cecil will be out by the Welcome Center, which is also adjacent to the area. You can sign up yourself or your neighbor uh, to help out for one Sunday morning in the next three months in uh, vacation time to support our children's ministry area. Today, it's difficult to pick a particular part of a passage in the book of Acts. It's Pentecost Sunday. And so what I'm going to do is read two excerpts, and then I'm going to come back and fill in the gaps between them so you don't feel like you're at a Texas A&M football game during the whole sermon. So um, we're going to open up with a passage out of the beginning of the book of Acts. Uh, Acts remembering is what we believe to be called Luke Acts, that we believe Luke was the author of Acts. Last week would have been Ascension Sunday when Jesus appeared and ascended, but he still continues to make appearances um, amongst the people for 50 days after the resurrection up until last week of Ascension Sunday. And then there's this transition for the Holy Spirit to come, as John mentions, and we're going to unpack what's the nature of the paraclete that's come, the Holy Spirit, in relationship, wasn't the Spirit already here? What's that all about? But the special day is set apart, and then there's a response of folks. So this may seem disjointed, but let's read these passages as you remain standing in respect of the Word of God, and then we'll put the pieces together in a way that hopefully helps you respond fully. Luke is writing, he says, After Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to them, being the disciples, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What happens after that is they replace by election, who replaces Judas. The Holy Spirit comes and fills the place. People see tongues of fire. Peter preaches. And after Peter preaches and proclaims who Jesus is, we pick up in chapter 2, verse 36. Paul says, uh, Peter says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when all the people who heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other disciples, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let us bow together for prayer. May your spirit, O God, stand between me and your people so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be shaped, formed, and molded into the good news of the gospel of Christ, in whose name we have gathered, in whose name we pray, 
and in whose name we will depart this place and seek to serve you faithfully. And all of God's people did say, Amen. Pentecost. It's a day that the church is often called the birthday in the life of the church. What was happening? Fifty days after Passover, all that were Jewish would come back and they would celebrate the gift of the book of the law given to Moses on Mount Sinai. After a few years, it's also added to the Pentecost celebration is the celebration of the first fruits. There would be people from all over the world that would migrate back to Jerusalem for that purpose. So when you read in Acts chapter 2, you find that there are Parthians and Medes and Eliamites and people from all over the world world. One commentator says that when we look at Pentecost, we should set beside it or juxtapose Pentecost and the Tower of Babel. Here's why. The Tower of Babel in Genesis was when people tried to build a building up to God and God destroyed it and dispersed with many languages. Pentecost is about the Holy Spirit coming to rest as with tongues of fire over all the people who were present. And they begin to speak in languages that are understood by others, the gospel message. Now, so when we unpack what's going on with this Pentecost, the Spirit is already present. The Spirit is already moving. The triune God from before eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's already there. It's this particular nature and moment in which the Holy Spirit comes. And the commentator, one commentator says, what happened in Babel was reversed at Pentecost. I don't know if it's necessarily reversed, but God's Holy Spirit comes to rest and equips those, and you let the text be your context. When you read in Acts chapter 2, and you can pick that up later, you will see that when the people hear the message, the text says, how is it that we each hear each in our own native tongue or language? So the purpose in the work of the Holy Spirit was to, to, to cover that chasm and that gap that was created. And what's fascinating to know is that no one was summoning the Holy Spirit. I love the song. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come fill this place and flood the atmosphere. Nobody was singing that at Pentecost in Jerusalem. For all effective means, when you see that they were gathered together and huddled together, one of two primary things is happening. A group of folks is actually listening to what Jesus says at the end of Luke, in Matthew, and also here in Acts. Stay in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high, for the Father will send the Spirit just as he promised. You read in Acts chapter 16, I mean John chapter 16 and 17, the promise specifically that Jesus says, when I am gone from you, the Holy Father will send you a helper, an advocate, the paraclesis, the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit being sent, it says in the text in John 17, is to remind you of all that I have taught you. The primary work and role of the Holy Spirit is to remind and to teach us what we have forgotten of the goodness and the grace of God. Each hears in their own native language. And then Peter goes on to preach. Some say that when Peter was preaching in Jerusalem, it wasn't far from where the tomb of David would be. Now, you know I nerd out at times on the Holy Land and visits and whatnot. Look, we already know that Jerusalem had been totally razed or destroyed at least a dozen to 16 times before this ever happens. 
the likelihood that the tomb of David, the patriarch of the Jewish faith, is still remaining is not likely. The likelihood that when folks came in to conquer Jerusalem and said, oh, hold on, boys, that's the tomb of David. Don't do that. We want to be nice to these folks. You know everything in those times is horrible. They would desecrate and remove every symbol that you were ever here. That's why when they conquered people, they would kill their children and their sons so there'd be no one left to pick up a sword some 30 years later when the boy became a man and sought revenge. But the likelihood that everybody present knew who David was is very great. Peter juxtaposes the idea of David, and he talks about who Jesus is. He preaches this amazing sermon, and then comes the text that I want us to lean into coming to the table today. In chapter 2, verse 36, when everybody hears this, they say, they were cut to the heart and said, what are we to do? And that's our question today. What are we to do on this Pentecost Sunday? What looks new for you and me? Some things may look not new at all. But it's important for us to unpack two things. First, we need to recognize what was the command of the teaching of Christ within the text. It was to wait, to stay in Jerusalem, until you're clothed on power from on high. So what's important for us to remember is that we need to wait. We need to be able to recognize that Pentecost is simply and clearly about God moving towards us. After the resurrection, most everybody's forgotten it. They've got spiritual and faith amnesia, but there's a few that remember. And, and to those few that remember, the word is wait. And everything about this text is about God taking the initiative. So thoroughly part of our particular flavor of the Christian faith in Wesleyan theology, where we believe God is the initiator of all things in our relationship, always reaching to us. You've heard the old phrase, don't just stand there, do something. I want to play with that imagery today and flip it. You see, the teaching of the text is that we're supposed to stay until we're clothed on power. So I would say to you, don't just do something, stay there. Stay present. Stay there and pray. Wait there and pray. Listen there and pray. Lead into the scriptures while you're waiting, listening and praying. Sit there. Wait until you are clothed with power from on high. Or borrowing from the imagery of Isaiah in chapter 40. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Come on church, you know those, right? They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not be afraid. Have you ever noticed how that is totally antithetical? In other words, the opposite of how our world does things. Our world wants to start and build things up. That imagery is actually reversal. The eagle soars, you can run, and then you walk. And it's a message to us that what is happening in the world around us and its brokenness, its hatred, its division, its demonizing, we are called to be a people of hope, reaching out. And understanding, when we can't soar, we know we can run. When we can't run, we know we can walk. And when you can't walk, just lean into Acts chapter 2 and wait. Stay there. Don't just do something. Stay there. How do you stay there? The first thing that we need to understand in staying there is asking, what was the response of people who heard this gospel message? It was clearly repent. Repent means to turn. And I would suggest to you this. If there is nothing from which we need to turn away in life, then every one of us is wasting time here this morning because the donuts and coffee are available anywhere. Even the cake today you could get at HEB. Don't take it personal, Jeremy. 
But there's something that transcends the coffee, the donuts, and the cake, and the fellowship. What is it? It's that we come because we believe that there is a transcendent truth that we are being molded and shaped into by God. We turn. The concept of repentance in the Greek is metanoia. It means to have another mind. It picks up the imagery of Paul in Philippians chapter 2, to have the mind in you that was in Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but he humbled himself in the form of a servant, obedient even unto death. He emptied himself. Or the imagery carried in Romans chapter 12. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what the will of God is, the good, acceptable, and perfect will. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC. And your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. This idea of leaning into the spirit of repenting and knowing how God's Holy Spirit works and fills us, folks, it's nothing new. The church has argued for years unnecessarily that certain people had more spirit than the other. They'd say, well, if you have this gift of the Holy Spirit, then you must be more blessed than somebody else. It's the same thing that's happened through the ages with denominational differences. Well, we're more like some people say, we're a spirit-filled church. I've always wanted in my sarcastic preacher way, and Lord, please forgive me. I've always wanted to sort of put out an ad and say, are you looking for a non-spirit-filled church? We're your place. No one goes to an empty place. You're looking for a place where you can be filled, poured into, where something amazing can happen. That's why we engage in the things that we do. That's why we're constantly being challenged in the ways we are to put flesh on the faith, to live and ask God, where are you calling us to be your people in this world? You aren't here just to be filled up for your own sake. You're here to be poured into for the sake of the redeeming love of God expressed when you leave here and into the world. You see, it's not just about you and what you get here. It's about a pep rally for the faith. Remember, friends, when you leave, the doors go both ways. They open to welcome you in, and they, welcome, they open to send you out. So when you are filled in your Jerusalem in this place, don't forget the command that comes that you are to be the witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and then to the ends of the earth. For years, we've, we've mastered the art of leaping past our own neighbor, right? We talk about doing stuff in the world, and literally, Leander Keck said in 1983 in a book called The Once and Future Church, the church has got to overcome what it has mastered, namely the art of talking to itself. Folks, we got international missions down pat because it doesn't really confront us. You see, it's not nearly as confronting to our convenience in our daily life when we talk about helping somebody way over there, Right? That's the ends of the earth. We got the ends of the earth now. We're not doing so good with our Jerusalem and our Judea. We're getting better. But when you talk about the Jerusalem and the Judea, it's going to affect your comfort zone. It's going to affect your conveniences. And that's what we're being called to be. People who are filled up for that purpose. 
We'd like to think we wrestle with the work of the Holy Spirit, but I want to tell you that long before the church was officially established, you can read about this historically, Tatian of Syria. This is where I'm nerding out on you, and I, and I want to tell you something. I mentioned this to uh, Sam Trainer at church this morning who has a degree of theology from Chicago Theological. I bet he may be the only one besides me, um, and I'll, I won't make you two raise your hands, no test for the recently ordained or those seeking. Petation of Syria was actually a student of Justin Martyr. He lived from 120 to 180, and he actually, uh, there was a whole group of folks they led into an ascetic life. He was the first person to ever pull together what existed of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that was circulating and wrote it into one gospel. Now, the challenge of this is it wasn't as complete as we know now, but it was called the diatessaron. Yeah, raise your, I'm just curious, other than Sam Trainer and Bert this morning, who ever knew of Tatian and the diatessaron? Would you just, can I be sure that I'm on my right mark here? Okay. Oh, I forgot. Joe's on the back row, another theology student. Forgot about that. Here's what he said in 150 AD. 150 AD, the church is not official. There's no First Baptist, no First Methodist, no Roman Catholic. It's, it's, it is still 850 years before the establishment of the Roman Catholic Church. This is 150 years A.D. We already know that the burgeoning and emerging church was understanding the work of the Holy Spirit. Here's what he says. There remains nothing for us to do, us being the Christian community, but to seek what we once had but have lost. 150 A.D. What we once had but was lost to join the soul to the Holy Spirit and thereby achieve union with God through God's will. 150 years, 120-some years after the death of Christ, Tatian says we've lost something and we need to reclaim it. How do we reclaim what we've lost? How do we fix our spiritual amnesia? We do two things. First, we turn. We find out what we need to turn away from and turn towards. That's why we'll engage in a moment in both confession and proclamation in the great thanksgiving. The confession is about our turning away from. And the liturgy is about what we choose to turn towards. And then, in this Jerusalem kind of moment, we gather together. We lean into and open ourselves to God's Holy Spirit to move, and to fill our lives. Church, will you be open to where God's leading and where God is calling? I dare you to have the courage to say yes to Jerusalem and to stay here wherever you are, to sit there, to pray there, to wait there, to listen there, to read the scriptures there until you're clothed with power. And recognize that being clothed with power is not the same thing as having a clear list of everything that's going to happen, how it's going to happen, or when it's going to happen. Those will still be unknown factors. But you will know that your strength is God's presence and Holy Spirit with you. Let's pray together. 
God, as I'm gathering in this moment, I'm thinking about what does it look like in the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking about a great saint of your church in Janet Wallace. God, I'm thinking of all the time she has in the last several years we've been with her and here she has struggled. She has been such a valiant warrior against the battle against health issues. And yet I heard yesterday morning, God, about someone whose external circumstances could not restrict her any greater. And yet she was blessing people who walked through the door to be her caregiver, speaking your word over them, encouraging them. Because Janet was someone who was filled with the Holy Spirit. Got to think of all those as we gather around this table in a moment that are the great communion of saints, the great cloud of witnesses. So when we approach this table and we think about the challenges that we have, would you bring to our forefront that many of our challenges pale in comparison to what the saints of the church have struggled with? And in those moments where our struggle does resemble their struggles and are so real and do affect our lives deeply, would you remind us? That if we will wait and remember, you are a God who is always faithful. So as we come to this table, that is what we celebrate, God. For great, great is your faithfulness. For this we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people did say, Amen. The Lord invites to this table, it's his table, not a United Methodist table, all who love him, who this moment earnestly repent of their sin, making your coming authentically to this moment, who seek to live in grace and peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin together and before God. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your law. We have rebelled law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I invite you to a moment of silent confession. Sisters and brothers in Christ, hear this good news that shatters the silence of our isolation from God. That God has forgiven you. And while we were yet sinners, God's love for us never failed. So in the name of Jesus Christ, having confessed your sin, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and our greatest joy to give you thanks and praise, eternal God, creator and ruler of the universe. With the majesty of your hand, you shape this world and all that is in it. By your Holy Spirit, you breathe life into human form and set us on earth to praise and serve you. When we wandered from your ways and were lost in sin's wilderness, your truth burned in our hearts. And from the words of prophets, you called your people to return to the path of righteousness. In the fullness of time, you sent your Son to be our Savior. In every age, your Holy Spirit has led us in your ways. And so with your Holy Spirit on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. 
Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. You are holy, O God of majesty, and blessed is Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. At his baptism by John, your spirit came with gentle wings, settling on him your blessing. In the wilderness of temptation, your spirit stood by him in power and ministered to him. In his life and ministry, your spirit led him to serve the poor, proclaim freedom from sin's bondage, open the eyes with faithful sight, and befriend the friendless and the outcast. And all he did and said, he announced the coming of your saving might. By his death on the cross and rising from death, he broke the power of death and led the way to eternal life. Ascended to rule from on high, Christ prays for us and promises the coming of peace and power. And on the night in which he died, Jesus took the bread and after giving thanks to you, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples as he gives to us today. And he says, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he takes the cup. As he gave to disciples then, he gives to us as his disciples today. And he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ Christ will. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts of the bread and the cup, that as we break them, we will be blessed by communion in the body of Christ. By your Spirit, unite us with the living Christ and with all who are baptized in his name, that we may be one in ministry in every Jerusalem, Judea, and throughout the ends of the earth. And as this is Christ's body for us, send us out to be the body of Christ in the world. As this cup is your forgiveness, send us out as ambassadors of forgiveness on your behalf. By the fire of your Holy Spirit, forge us into one church, many and different people together in Christ's embrace. Set our hearts aflame with love for the truth and desire to do your will, that our witness to Christ may burn brightly in the lives as joyful disciples. Keep us faithful in service until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through Christ, all glory and honor is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. And so we join in the power of the Holy Spirit with your holy church in the words that we have been taught by the one who redeemed us from all. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.